And welcome to the Down and From podcast, the only podcast where three dudes give you the best stock analyst portfolios you, money can buy if your money is um, cheese about rolls. 250 maybe $3. Uh, I am your host, Brylin, and we are going to be reviewing One Night in Miami, a new Amazon Prime movie directed by Regina King tonight. But before we do that, we will introduce who we have with us this evening, as well as what they're sipping on and what have they been watching. So without further ado, he used to live in Long Island, but now he lives under (laughs) a blanket, I think. Uh, Mocha Mike, how are you doing this evening? (laughs) Your behavior is hateful and I want to acknowledge it, Brian. Hey, everybody. I am doing great. Chilling here uh, in Brooklyn, New York, coming to you live and loud. I don't know. Is that a saying? Coming coming at you live and loud? All right. It is now. Just loud. (laughs) Coming at you so loud. Um, But yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to see both of your shining faces. Um, Hi to everybody uh, who's watching us live on the live stream. Great to see all of you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, uh, Yeah, what I've been watching, what I'm drinking. I'm drinking water tonight, fellas. Uh, It's about time I take back my life. That starts with not eating junk food and drinking junk drinks. So yeah, I'm I'm on on water right now. (laughs) Clearly, you can see that this is not treating my brain very well, but I'm talking like Mike Blewett for some reason. Anyway... (laughs) In terms of what I've been watching, um, I had the good fortune of being introduced to a show that I had was aware of um, just conceptually, and I knew about it, and I knew about this person, and I knew that it was, the show was good, but I never went out of my way to watch it, and I finally have, and I'm very glad that I did, because that show is called Nathan For You. Um, for anybody who isn't familiar, Nathan uh, basically runs various schemes <laughs> from episode to episode where he takes people who are either struggling in the real life and are real world people and then comes up with some like vaguely extremely illegal way for them to get around the troubles in their life um, for instance this last episode that I watched was this person who was running a TV an electronics store and he was being pushed out of business by the Best Buy that had opened in his city and so Nathan decided to help him beat Best Buy, who has a match guarantee policy, by having him sell all of his TVs at one dollar, and then having those people go to Best Buy and match the prices to drive to like ruin Best Buy's sales in that area. <laughs> uh, it was absolutely absurd, and the, the show is hilarious. I don't know how to put it. There's something in, like extremely psychotic about this man, Nathan. Um, I think maybe he's autistic. He must be on the spectrum somewhere because he's definitely not. Uh, what I'd call typical in terms of his behavior and his thought processes, but he's hilarious. And the show is the show made me cringe nonstop throughout out of like fear for these people and what they were getting themselves involved with. But it usually ends on a relatively high note or at least a positive note and is incredibly funny through and through. So yeah, if you, if you just like to laugh, I definitely suggest watching at least one episode of Nathan for you. Is this the same Nathan that, um, 
did the first spite store before Larry David did the spite store. I'm not so sure. It's like a, it's called like dumb Starbucks. Yeah. So dumb Starbucks is to, where you start. to get around the uh, trademark and everything. Yeah, exactly. So that's where you got to start. And then Nathan for, for you, the show came out of that, out of his success. Ah, with that. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. All righty. Good to see you, Mocha. Can't wait to see what you have to say about one night in Miami. And also with us this evening, uh, when he's not shredding up his stock portfolio, he's shredding the guitar. Mr. Mike Blood, how are you doing this evening, sir? Unfortunately, I speak like myself all the time, so there's nothing uh, that water can change. Uh, but today I'm drinking Water Plus or Water Minus, depending on how you feel about the caffeine. Uh, I'm drinking tea, some Celestial Seasons um, vanilla bedtime tea, which ironically I don't think has caffeine. So I was wrong. And also talking like myself again. I'm talking to myself. Uh, but I also have a nice jug of water that I'm going to finish up the gallon challenge um, sometime during this podcast. So you'll hear me celebrate exuberantly. That's not how you pronounce that word. Cool. Moving on. Anyways, what I've been watching, the reason I'm giving you all this great content is because I watched literally nothing since we last talked, uh, even though we had an extra day because we normally uh, shoot these on Thursday at three in the morning. Uh, now we're shooting this at Friday at 730 a.m. Um, cause no one has jobs. Uh, and so, yeah, I still did not watch a single thing, um, during that time, uh, except for WandaVision. And I think I need to re go back and rewatch that third episode. Uh, unlike our prediction to the podcast on WandaVision, check it out. Um, nothing too crazy happened in this one. I'm pumped cause at the end. Yeah, but yeah. But like, all I'm gonna all I'm gonna say is my if you haven't listened to our WandaVision episode, you should go back and and listen to it because I laid out a theory that seems to be falling yeah. right into place. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I, I Wanda is becoming more Wanda. <laughs> I think that the uh, I think that the the cast and crew are starting to like really amp this one up and be like, hey, we know not much has happened, but tune in this week because it's gonna get weird. So I'm really excited. Um. And then big weekend because we have the Royal Rumble coming up and uh, Lakers Celtics, uh, which that's good. So I'll have stuff to talk about next week's folk. Awesome. And I would say if you wanted to stay hydrated, may I recommend some Hydra Soak for you? <laughs> hmm, I will Hydra Soak my elbows later tonight. Fantastic. Uh, great to see you. Uh, blew it. I would say one thing about WandaVision, whoever is making these jingles, uh, give them a raise because they're doing some amazing work. Um, and with that, I am your host, Bryland. Uh, tonight, I am drinking Gentleman Jack, as I do usually, so I am not uh, feeling uh, the need to uh, sober myself up for this. Um, but uh, I haven't watched that much since last week. I did watch the latest episode of WandaVision. Uh, but, uh, I really haven't dove into my pile of shame, which I keep telling myself I'll, I will for 2020. Uh, but, um, what I have been utterly entertained by is just recently is for this past week, a subreddit called wall street bets was starting to actually bring some value to some stocks that weren't really <laughs> worth much. And they have caused chaos and calamity on Wall Street, especially with GameStop and AMC stocks. And um, even though I definitely have been sitting on the sideline for the most part, I would say um, 
I've I've actually made enough where I could probably if AMC opens back up again, I can definitely go back to those theaters for a few shows. So AMC, I'm helping you out. Stay alive. Keep on holding. But I think like the whole idea, I mean, not only is this thing about the stocks uh very I mean just like a very creative way to um kind of screw people for doing screwy things with the stock in the first place but also at the same time it's um it's just very entertaining to see like a uh social me- uh, a social <laughs> a collective just be able to affect stock markets at such a substantial level um when they're not even like large brokerage firms or anything like that uh so i think it's some of the most exciting and amazing entertainment I've seen all this week. Uh, and I can't wait to see what happens with it. So it's, and I've also learned a lot about uh, shorting stocks and what that actually means. So um, even though I am not, um, even though I am not uh, sitting in a bathtub, like in the big short, explaining all this to you, I do think it is really interesting to see how this is all playing out. So I'm definitely in the did it in it for the long run to see where all this stuff goes, what happens with it. Is the government going to intercede or anything? Who knows? Uh, I like the chaos that's happening right now. <laughs> this is your Joker moment, Brian. It is my Joker moment. <laughs> I'm going to dance on those steps. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because this whole situation with Wall Street bets is kind of making it blatantly obvious that uh, the stock market is just a game that's kind of made up and it's a pointless thing to base an entire economy on. <laughs> well, I mean, money's just a piece of paper until you put some value on it. Yeah, so some value on that, Brown. <laughs> that's why I'm holding on to all my Kohl's cash. That's, we're going <laughs> to the moon, baby. <laughs> that's why I still got my dunk bucks. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we are going to dive into our full review of One Night in Miami. And we're going to dive into our full review of One Night in Miami, spoiler-filled review as usual, uh, which is directed by Regina King, uh, stars many wonderful actors like Lamar Odom Jr., Aldous Hodge, um, Kingsley Ben-Adir, Eli Gorey, and many, many more. Uh, this Just to give a little context to this story, so... Uh, One Night in Miami, even though it deals with like real people that lived during uh, the time of the civil rights movement, especially in this moment where it's 1964, um, it uh, it is a fictional telling of what if these four gentlemen uh, got together and just talked. Uh, And the gentleman in question would be Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. And it's all about... 
essentially a play that's uh, made into a movie that talks about what if these four gentlemen got together and just started talking about their role in civil rights and how they feel about what they mean to civil rights movements, uh, movement, especially for black people at this time. Uh, so to dive into our overall thoughts, Mocha, why don't you start off by telling us what you thought about One Night in Miami? Um, yeah, I can definitely do that. Um, I thought it was a good movie overall. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a good movie overall. I liked it. It's kind of hard for me to put into words how to like how I feel about this movie because I'm torn a bit. Uh, in the whole sense of like it being based on a stage play um it's definitely based on a stage play it's obvious that it's based on a stage play and usually i feel like that's like fine so i don't know i feel like all the characters that we saw in this show come together for this um you know this uh supposed conversation are people that i wanted to see movies about individually like i was far more intrigued and interested by seeing um uh cassius clay in his house in Miami, getting the picture taken, uh, that, that famous underwater picture taken. I was way more interested in like that side of his life and like talking to his managers and stuff than I was about uh, interested in seeing all four of them together. And the same thing goes for Malcolm and for Sam Cook's character, Sam Cook, um, all of them. So I feel a little bit torn in that sense. Yeah, Mocha, to, to kind of riff on that, the, um, this movie really felt like it could have just been a conversation between Malcolm X. It was like a, a Platonian conversation, you know, um, between Malcolm X and um, Sam Cooke. You know, they really had the main objections with each other. They yeah. had the main drama through the whole thing. And because they were all so famous in their own rights that like they had all their own stories that they didn't necessarily feel like they all overlapped besides just being like, prominent black men in the the late sixties. Um, in fact, I would argue that, you know, basically Muhammad Ali, uh, or Cassius Clay, you know, as he was for most of the movie, um, basically only served as kind of like a, an arguing point, you know, it almost seemed like, uh, this is a horrible analogy, uh, just given historical connotations, but it's almost like the angel and the devil, you know, playing for kind of his soul, right? Like, hey, you know, Malcolm X approaches it one way and then Sam Cooke approaches it another way, which I think we'll probably talk about later in in this podcast. And so there's poor Jim Brown, who's kind of just like left out of everything. And realistically, until the very end of the movie, he's- That dude was expecting a party. Yeah, he's (laughs) he's basically a non-factor in the entire thing until that very end when he has that conversation with Malcolm X. Um, And so- uh, t- to me, I-, I totally agree that this could have just been a two-man performance with like appearances by you know little supporting uh, characters rather than a four-man kind of like get together. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I can see definitely where um, you're coming from, Mocha and uh, Blew it. Uh, one thing I did love about this movie a lot that uh, having all four of these characters in there was just the. I mean, the, the complexity of the different perspectives that each one was having. Each one was successful in their own right. Three of them financially successful. The other one morally successful. Uh, and, um, and it's also interesting to see like how 
even though most of these guys are entertainers, boxers, um, football players, musicians, um, that, that they're, they actually put up this challenge of like kind of Malcolm X kind of pushing them for this obligation. I don't, I don't really say he was gatekeeping their morality or anything like that. Um, but he, he was definitely wanting to make sure that they were wanting to give back to their community and the cause, as he calls it, the civil rights movement to say, Hey, y'all are in prominent places of power and uh, notoriety and everything. What are you going to do for black people to actually see us go forward, which is definitely a very valid point, especially even today. Um, and, but it's also interesting to see like how that can be divvied up even in just four simple ways that it means something different to everybody else. And I find that's the more human aspect of this. And I appreciate that humanity being kind of the core of the movie. Yeah. Uh, just for uh, your own uh, knowledge, they were all financially successful. The, the, well, I mean, the moral, Malcolm X was a minister, essentially. So. Yeah, but he was worth over a million dollars when he died. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I guess that's mostly from his book. I, I don't know. I looked his up. Autobiography. I looked up when he died. I mean, he was he was the leader of a very like prominent movement. You know. Yeah. Um. In fact, they all they call this out. Uh. You know, at the end, uh, when Sam Cooke's talking about the original. Um, or the leader of the current leader of the Nation of Islam, uh, Elijah Muhammad, uh, who was living on in a, you know, palace essentially, um, and then telling the the commoners what to do. Um, and I think Malcolm X was probably technically included into that. I don't think he had gotcha. palace money, but uh, he certainly he probably was the poorest out of the group, but he certainly wasn't poor. Let's put it that way. I mean, he had a decent house, which got burned up at the end. Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. That was some that was architecture. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brian, speaking of like morality, um, the, I thought the, probably the best thing that this movie did was just pose that question of like, what is helpful? You know, um, they talked about this a lot where, you know, they presented, I would say, I would say fairly non-biased, you know, as much as possible. Like there obviously was some bias there, but like fairly non-biased of like how, everyone interacts with their community. And now granted, I am not a black man from the 1960s. So like, I obviously cannot understand what was going through any of their heads, uh, even in a fictional sense. Um, that being said, like, you know, you can certainly ask the same question of yourself, like what, what can you do to better the people around you? Um, and it was interesting to see four unique takes on that and how they, you know, kind of either vibed or didn't vibe with that. Um, with each other's takes on the same question. Uh, and I thought it was pretty, pretty unique, right? So this was, like I said, more of a, like a dialogue than an actual like movie really. Um, the, and I don't think a lot of films take that approach. Certainly the other Kemp powers film that we just reviewed soul, it's, it doesn't take the same, you know, same approach in such a like kind of simplistic laid out way. Uh, and it was actually really refreshing to see, to see that. Um, again, I, I have, I'm referring to it as dialogue. I would recommend the first 
hundred pages of this book called Gerdel Escher and Bach that I'm reading, which hurts my brain, but it's this modern mathematician from like the seventies or eighties, I, I believe, who basically sought to write like in the style of, you know, like the old school Greek philosophers, but takes on modern things. Um, you know, so like in this, like computer programming comes up, you know, and it's, it's, it's a take more like from that. So I kind of liken it cause I've been reading this thing on and on and off. I kind of liken the movie that we saw to that, where it's a very specific form of storytelling that's more conversational than necessarily like plot or action or character driven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes like a talking heads movie is like one of my most exciting ones, as long as the dialogue and the, uh, what they're talking about is very interesting. And I'd have to say like the moments that I found in this movie, which were the most entertaining, most interesting to me was one Jim Brown's talk with Malcolm X about um, even though he's standing up for all black people, he still doesn't understand um, how the discrimination changed between even different skin tones as well. Um, and then also Sam Cooke's and Malcolm X's back and forth, I think is awesome. I think Sam Cooke makes a valid, makes some valid points about his success and what he's doing with his success and everything. But also think Malcolm X, I mean, he's making just as valid points as well about um, making sure you have that moral compass with you as well. Uh, so I found that to be um, those two moments or those two uh, things in the movie were probably my favorite. And also like that we got a depiction of Malcolm X. Uh, we usually don't see, we usually see like the very uh, powerfully talking Malcolm X who's, uh, I guess a lot of people in Hollywood would actually say, Hey, we need a Martin Luther King, just a little edgier. And that's, that's Malcolm X. And I like that. We get a Malcolm X that a lot of people probably don't know of or a Malcolm X that, um, that, I mean, this is definitely a fictional portrayal, but it's neat to see like how his energy complements the others that he's got this kind of nervous energy around the others the other two all the other three are like these big bold um audacious personalities and he's very timid compared to them but also he's stuttering a lot but he also still has that passion that energy and he doesn't let them like run over him which could be very easy for someone that has that type of disposition so i thought that was actually really cool that we did get to see a little bit different of a malcolm x here I one of my favorite parts of this movie was the uh, rooftop scene where they steal his camera and yeah. he breaks character, if you will, for a moment. You know, he they they definitely Brown is right. It's he's not like the the fiery person that they see with in a lot of other things, but he definitely is a, a strong character that can influence probably like the strongest person, strongest character of the of that era, right in in Muhammad right. Ali, um, and to see that like little break of humanity was pretty awesome, you know, cause again, usually they, these, these people get portrayed as like one or two dimensions, you know, it's like, and it's nice to see a little range and, and to see split second cracks rather than like, here's the soft side. We'll explore that for 25 minutes and then go back to the tough side, you know, and we'll do that for the other hour. Right. Moko, what else uh, do you have about uh, one night in Miami? Um, yeah, I thought each person that, or each actor did a really great job with their roles. 
Um, especially Cassius Clay. Uh, I thought that he stole the show. Uh, Eli Gorey, I thought was great as him. Um, and yeah, each each person in this play or in this story was just very unique and dynamic in, in a very specific way. Um, and that was really cool to see. Usually, I feel like, especially when it comes to like stage plays like this, you get like two, maybe three characters that actually have some sort of like dynamic nature to them. Um, but it really was compelling, and it felt like I was watching uh, like a bizarre sort of smaller, smaller scale version of like Twelve Angry Men. Um, and I enjoyed it. I liked it. There was something about this movie that felt, and it wasn't just the time frame that it took place in, but there was something about this movie that felt very classic in, in its approach and its delivery. Um, and maybe that's just the the stage play nature of it. Maybe that's that inherently gives like old timey vibes, no matter what. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I did enjoy that that aspect of it. Um, I thought that also, for what it was worth, I thought the setting was pretty cool. Like I dug the like the being stuck in that hotel, um, as opposed to, uh, and having it being bookended by uh, these like loud moments, uh, being surrounded by tons of other people like feeling all this extreme emotion, whether it was the um, the boxing match on one end or the party at the bar on the other end. Um, in the middle was just this time where these four people were able to just be themselves and be not be celebrities. And uh, I don't know, it just felt like a very effective way to help you zero in on the characters and who they are as people as opposed to who they are as their legacies. So I, I have kind of like a love-hate relationship with what you just said. Um... I I feel like I would have loved this as a play. Um the way that yeah. the the blocking uh worked. Um so basically like blocking is how I feel like this isn't like a super obvious one, but blocking is how characters move throughout a scene. Um was like basically lifted one for one from what a stage play would be, right? Um right. and to me it just didn't work in a movie. Although because it was so one for one, like in my head, I was like, I kind of would love to see this live. I feel like the, the, they did use a lot of theatrical type vocal inflections. Um, partially because Malcolm X, who I, I'm sure had the most lines in it, didn't, didn't count it personally, but, uh, Kingsley Ben Air, uh, Ben Adir is, uh, actually a stage performer. So it makes a ton of sense that he's going to carry himself like that. Um, and so, like, I, I was more intrigued for the aspect of seeing this live than what I was seeing on screen at the time, just because it was just so not movie-like. And I hate to use this word, but, like, boring, right? Like, it was all vocal performance rather than anything else visual. Yeah, visually, like, yeah, it's it's definitely very pedantic, very plain and everything. And I'm kind of right there with you. I wonder, like, what if they gave this the Hamilton treatment and we just saw the stage play being filmed? Uh, will we be able to feel a little bit more connected to what's going on uh, right there? Uh, but one other actor I did want to mention, I mean, I love this actor, Lance Reddick, but please do not make him like a doorman type character unless it's John Wick, because I was expecting this to turn into an action movie as soon as I <laughs> saw him. <laughs> it almost did. He was ready to throw, throw hands for a moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But he said, um, God is good and walked away. Quick aside, I, when I first looked at the cast list for this movie, I was, I had to do a double take because I was sure 
that it said Ben Kingsley as uh, as Malcolm yeah, X. I, I thought that I thought as well. <laughs> I was like, wait, what are we watching? What are we getting ourselves into here? Yep. Um, did anyone catch our like absolute favorite from a previous um, episode for like literally one scene? Just speaking of actors that I know we all pretty much like. Mm. Well, he, he had literally one scene three lines of dialogue I think wasn't particularly good but I recognized him and I was just like oh yeah no he was awesome in this other thing that I, I was what, like Michael Sh-. Imperioli no oh Bo Bridges uh <laughs> nope okay did anyone catch Jeremy Pope no do you, do you remember who, who he is? I know he's not a massive name. Um, he was the uh, screenwriter from Hollywood, the miniseries we reviewed probably like a year oh. ago. He was in this movie? He was in it. He was the artist that went on right before Sam Cooke. Before the, he, he was the one that slipped oh, the sound wow. guy. I, as soon as I saw him, I was just like, I know who that dude is. That's wild. Um, That's it is. Crazy. Oh, he was cr- Jackie Wilson? Yeah. It was, uh, I, oh. it was yeah. wild that they got that guy to like play that role. Like I, I would have, I don't know. I would have thought he would have been yeah. more elevated than that. <laughs> That's cool. There's so. a good Jackie Wilson. I have to say that. Oh, you say it was phenomenal. Best part of the whole thing. That's all I, uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, so, uh, Mocha, what else, uh, would you want to say about one night in Miami? um, not too much. I think I pretty much said everything that I wanted to say. Um, at the end of the day, I just wanted to say I would rather have seen, watched four different movies about each of these individuals than necessarily all of them uh, in one. But it was cool. It was fun watching. It gave me a like a nostalgic movie kind of kick that I hadn't felt in a while. And I'm not upset that I spent the time watching it. All right. Yeah. And um, last thing I wanted to add is... Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe y'all picked up on it, but I thought the ending was kind of interesting where we see, um, Cassius Clay accept his new name, Muhammad Ali from Elijah Muhammad at the, uh, nation of Islam temple. Uh, we see Jim Brown give his announcement that, uh, since he's going to get fined, if he goes to training camp late he's quitting football and becoming a full-time actor uh and we see sam cook to i forgot what sam oh sam cook's going back to the copa uh and then um malcolm x we see that his house gets firebombed and he has to get his wife and kids out of there uh so they're safe and everything and maybe it is a little bit too much reading, but to me, it feels like Regina King when she was making this movie, um, that even though she gave very balanced viewpoints for all and valid reasons for all their perspectives, I feel like at the very end, she kind of wanted to say, yes, Malcolm X's viewpoint is still the quote unquote right one out of these four gentlemen's. Uh, viewpoints. Um, I don't know if y'all felt the same with that, but it, it, it seemed to uh, try to, I mean, it felt like they were trying to hit that home uh, at the very end of the movie. I don't know. 
So he was clearly the main character, right? But yeah, I think that they showed like ultimately, ultimately, like doesn't his philosophy, correct me if I'm wrong in this one, I'd Wikipedia this right before this, uh, but ultimately his, his philosophy was that of like black liberation, right? And he, uh, opposed to uh, someone like Martin Luther King Jr., he was not opposed to, to violence to achieve that, right? Um, right. And so I think at the end, it almost, speaking of Hollywood, had like kind of like a, a picturesque ending to it. Um, <clears throat> although they didn't, they didn't do the same thing with Hollywood did that like, yeah, spoiler alert for this, that, that miniseries, like that no one probably watched or cares. Um, but like, it didn't do the, Oh, sparkles everywhere. Like racism is solved type thing. Um, right. but they did show Sam cook. Sam cook didn't go to the Copa. He was on a television show and he was performing his, Oh yeah. His yeah. Protest. He was on the tonight show. Yeah. He was performing his protest song. So it showed Sam cook, uh, accepting, uh, his like place as a, a black musician and his ability to affect social change like Bob Dylan did um, showed, you know, Jim Brown not being, uh, you know, not wrecking his body for the enjoyment of the white man. You know, he, he got to uh, right. Football is a very taxing sport. He got to uh, move away from that and then get paid for other talents, um, you know, so he could still fulfill, feel fulfilled. And then uh, obviously you know, Cassius Clay transitioning into Muhammad Ali and then becoming Muhammad Ali, you know, like that's, yeah. that, like, I think, I think it was a very balanced take on each one of these characters uh, ended up in the place that they needed to be to become iconic later in their lives through their own unique aspirations. Um, yeah. And shout out to Kingsley Benadir because I did not know you could dance to a Bob Dylan song until I saw this movie. So yep. uh, I love how he was just grooving to it and just kind of just trying to rub it into Sam Cooke's face that here's this white guy from Minnesota who's made a song about the struggle of people um, that black people could relate to. Um, but you haven't done the same. You just sing about love and happiness and things like that. Which there's nothing wrong with those two. I mean, I'll probably never nope. listen to that so those songs, but <laughs> I mean, love and happiness. There's nothing wrong with those themes. I would le- love to hear a song of love from Mayanis. Mayanis, got it. Just eat some beans. <laughs> <laughs> Let me play you this song of my people. We tried that in high school. It did not end well. Eating beans. You might have said it was a, a crappy situation. Yeah, I'll tell the, I'll tell the story in the uh, the last call section. Awesome. <laughs> so we're going to move into our MVPs. Uh, Mocha, who is your MVP for One Night in Miami? Uh, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay absolutely killed it. I feel like he was the most charming uh, character in the, sh- in, the sh- in the cast. And I feel like that's also kind of necessary because Muhammad Ali himself was um like an absolute like beacon of charming like overwhelming energy and i think that he delivered on it really well um so yeah definitely like Ori. awesome blew it who would you say is the yeah. mvp of this movie i, I gotta go with kingsley uh benadir uh as uh, malcolm x 
Um, I thought he gave a really nuanced performance uh, and they did a lot of like show don't tell. Right. So that uh, conversation he had in the phone booth um, where they really didn't like beat it over the head that he was like absolutely going to leave, you know, the nation of Islam and it would be dangerous potentially like, but just in his voice, you could carry how he felt about this move. Um, And it was, it was just like a very well done scene to, to portray that character. Awesome. And I would give my MVP to Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cook. I thought his Sam Cook was superb. Nolly, when he was imitating Sam Cook, I, I would say this was probably Leslie Odom Jr.'s voice because he is a singer. He's a Broadway actor and everything. Um, he sounded like almost right on the money as Sam Cook and just um and just the passion he brought behind that character where he wasn't going to back down from Malcolm X's criticisms on his lifestyle and everything I thought was actually very superb. And I, I think it actually makes the Malcolm X character much stronger because he does have this great foil he plays against as well. And with that, we're going to move into our final thoughts. Mocha, what are your overall thoughts about one night in Miami? Yeah, I thought that this was a, a fascinating exploration of the nuances of how to navigate the world as a black man, in particular, a black man uh, of celebrity. Um, but ultimately, I feel like I'd rather have watched a uh, film focused on any one of these characters specifically. Um, I'll say it kind of feels right that this movie was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> um, no shade to Amazon Prime video, but I feel like, I don't know, it makes sense that it landed here. Yep blew it yeah um i i kind of agree with mocha's viewpoint i don't i don't feel bad that i watched this i really would have just preferred to have watched the play um but i thought it raised a a bunch of really interesting concepts in a fairly unique uh at least from like a you know video screen um way absolutely yeah and i would say like i i did find it very enjoyable i mean i think it was a really interesting exercise on uh these quintessential civil rights icons and everything uh i think for a first outing it's a really good job by regina king i think she definitely brought some uh creativity or just like allowing the actors to act and just own the scenes um but i'm interested to see what she would do next uh in terms of more of the technical aspects of directing and everything um but i i ultimately i love this because it shows that unity is not just something that you just fall into it's something that takes a lot of work and i thought that it was actually really cool to see even though these guys are taking different paths um they ultimately are working for similar causes and they would even butt heads over it. So I think it was really cool to show that the work of unity is just as important as the work of progress. And with that, we've been the down from podcast. Mocha, where can people find more of your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter um, where I, Tweet about my favorite shots of various boxers shirtless underwater at Mocha Mike Li, as the Lord intended. You cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who has that username uh, had his house firebombed, probably by some angry social media icon who wants his name back. Um, so, <laughs> unfortunately, you'll still have to find me at Mocha Mike Li, but you can find me at Mocha Mike on Instagram where I post my photography work. Awesome. Blew it. Where can people find more of your work? 
Yeah, you can find us at the aforementioned My News Music or My News Band um, on most major platforms. We'll have music out eventually. Um, you can also uh, find us on MTV. It's like a new TV show. Um, it's kind of like MTV Cribs. It's called Jesse Rand's House Party. Or basically, he has challenges to get into his house. There really is only one challenge, though. Um, and you have to watch tonight's feature film to figure out what that is. I'll 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 leave everyone on that one. We could talk about it more in the last call of this episode. That also will <laughs> never come out. I don't know. Why I'm teasing. Not a real thing. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I am your host, Island. You can find me bringing Neapolitan ice cream to Twitter because I'm no slouch. I'm not going to bring just plain old vanilla ice cream to my parties on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. You also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at uh, I am Bryland. I recently put up my top 10 of 2020 movies and TV shows. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, I think I put together a solid list of things you should check out if you haven't watched them yet. Now, with that, we are the Down From Podcast. You can always help us choose what our next review is going to be. If you go to twitter.com slash underscore DIFP, you'll always see our weekly poll posted every Tuesday morning where you can actually go and vote for what you think we should review next. And also, if you have some feedback for us, you can always email us at the crew at downfrontpodcast.com. We may or may not get back to you. I mean, that's the promise I make to you. And it's a very solid promise. Uh, so we will definitely get back to you when we feel like it. Uh, but as far as the Downfront Podcast, you can find us wherever podcasts are sold, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, maybe even on um, some 60s radio stations. Uh, definitely we'll be interrupting the Cassius Clay and Sonny Liston fight to here on podcast as well and with that we've been the downer from podcast and y'all have a great night and continue arguing with your friends to make each other better bye oh yeah